Well, hello and greetings from Tokyo, Japan. It's Citizen Reporter. It's me, Mark Fonseca Rendeiro, aka Bicycle Mark. And yes, indeed, it is a visit to Japan. What am I doing in Japan? Well, first of all, why wouldn't anybody take a chance to come to Japan? And above all, I'm here to visit the great Matthew Dons. If you're a longtime listener of this program, or even a recent listener, you've heard Matthew on these airwaves. I'm doing air quotes with airwaves because it's all podcasting. But you've heard him talking about his struggle to live longer, to fight cancer long enough to give him time with his family. And I decided it's high time I came to Tokyo, came here to spend time with my friend, and I've been able to do that. And of course, if Matthew and I spend any time together, there's going to be a recorder. That's not my metro, but there goes a metro. Anyway, so on today's program, we're in Shibuya. I'm walking around with Matthew Dons, and you can go to matthewdons.org to help support him, to help keep him alive. He thanks you, I thank you, his family thanks you. And now let's go learn. We're going to learn about Japan, the culture as it relates to work, and the unique view that Japan may have when it comes to how an economy works and how a country could work. Let's see, for posterity's sake, the date is October no 23rd or something. That sounds good. October 23rd, 2017. Uh, let's go over the location, Tokyo, but more specifically. We're in Shibuya. At the top of a skyscraper. It's called uh, Tokyo Hikari. Hikari. Yeah. Are we 11? No, uh, you yeah. pressed an 11. Yep, this is the 11th floor. The highest we can go, sadly, in this building. Yeah, and the voices you hear, I'm Mark, uh, Bicycle Mark sometimes, and, and especially since we're talking to Matthew today, I'll go with my original online name that some people still remember, and other people don't, Bicycle Mark, and Matthew Dons is here. Hi, Matthew. Hi, how are you doing? All right, we're, we're talking into a cube today, uh, which is probably not that different from what we normally talk into. It's quite surreal, and probably you're going to get quite tired holding this cube. It's so light. But it's the future. You think so? I, I find that recorders don't really evolve, at least not quickly enough for me, uh, in terms of the options and the, the portability. I'm, I'm looking forward to the invisibility of recorders and not in a sinister way, just to help people relax and uh, be able to talk to one another without remembering the device yeah. so much. But I mean, th this, <clears throat> this recorder kind of feels almost like it's just a microphone, but it's not. Mm. Right, it's got storage and presumably a little microcontroller or, or a single board computer in there. Um, but yeah, it has the feel of this is just a microphone. Yeah. 
Um, and so we've come here to uh, Shibuya in Tokyo, and one of the your main messages to me is that not only this area, which is interesting, but also that this city has something very special, worth being around, whether it's as a visitor or perhaps even as a, a resident, uh, no matter where you come from, that, that Tokyo is a perhaps one of the most exciting places that you've ever known. Yeah, and it, it's 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 weird being in Japan at the moment, particularly for me, because I'm, I'm a very negative and cynical person, <laughs> and um, things in Japan seem to be going really, really well, and it's not doesn't see, doesn't feel like it's some kind of bubble like we had in the 1980s when I, I wasn't here but you know there's a massively overvalued economy here um, people are spending money in insane ways and it just doesn't feel like that at the moment um, and particularly in Shibuya so Shibuya is kind of shifting from you know the, the past of I guess, almost 15 years when the big focus has been on the youth economy particularly high school girls and um, high school girls here now have a lot less economic power a lot less spending money um, so this and, and of course Japan has a rapidly aging population well that, that's something I definitely want to get to when it comes to saying that you know Japan is doing so well that that aging population thing is a very interesting question especially for me as an armchair sociologist uh, and also an aging human but um, before that quickly on the the high school girl economy, I mean, that means selling of what? And, I mean, once upon a time, music, but that's not a thing. Uh, music. Um, devices? Yeah, exactly. So cell phones were the big thing, right? Mm. It, the, the, the high-end cell phone. This is, this is before smartphones. Um, <clears throat> so, yeah, the, the high-end cell phones costing $700 um, that had to be changed regularly for fashion purposes not feature purposes so you know that's kind of shifted a lot um yep clothes um jewelry um nothing so different from what you might see anywhere in the world exactly except for the monetary values <laughs> so you know people here buying a, a purse or something for several hundred dollars when they're like a 15 year old girl yeah. Um, it's quite hard to imagine that outside of Japan, really. Yeah, yeah I mean, that's something um, about Japan that I definitely feel as a visitor uh, coming from, I guess, Europe, uh, that the cost of living appears high initially, especially if you don't know where to go to find good prices or competitive prices. It, it often feels like, oh, the, the cost of some food, I know not all food, can be quite expensive. The cost of uh, even transportation, if you rely on uh, the trains, it definitely adds up. And I'm not, I didn't compare it so much with other countries, but it, it feels like uh, an expensive place to live. But I suppose people earn accordingly. They earn, yeah, they earn accordingly. And also, I think the big thing here is housing is a lot cheaper than people think. Um, even in Tokyo... Um, you know, I, I'm coming from the UK where housing is cripplingly expensive. Um, you know, you are coming from a, a walkable city, right? And, and you know, I guess your, your main mode of transport is, is, is on foot or, or by bicycle. Mm -hmm. Now, when we're here, particularly when you're here visiting, you do tend to, you know, you, you clock up a lot of, of kilometers on the trains. Yeah. 
Um, so then, yeah, it does feel like the the cost is is, is quite high. One interesting thing is in Japan, the company has to pay the transport cost for the employee. So there's your salary and then there's your transport cost, which they will usually pay in the form of a monthly train pass called a takey, um, which is like for a set route and a set train line. Um, most people in Tokyo, they they think about geography in terms of train stations. So when you describe where you live, it, you always about what your nearest station is. When you meet someone, you'll always meet them at a train station. It's, it, or it's starting to change now because of Google Maps. Um, but still, it very much, you know, you'd never ask to, someone to come to your house for the first time. It'd always be you'll meet them at the nearest train station. And when you're choosing somewhere to live, it's always yeah, how close to the train station. Whereas in England, train stations are associated with drug dealing and prostitution (laughs) and you know they're they're outskirts of a city Mm -hmm. um run down industrial areas not somewhere you want to be living right um and in 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 tokyo it's it's completely the opposite but yes the the employer pays for your uh train pass um which uh yeah it is i think i don't know if it applies to part-time staff but definitely if someone has a normal contract um, that's a requirement. Hmm. Uh, Let, let's talk about that that aging population element. I mean, I'm jumping a bit to the maybe one of the main questions about the future of this place, maybe even the present to a certain extent. Now, Japan is perhaps, I've looked at a lot of statistics over the years because I teach even uh, on this subject in terms of global outlook. Um, the age of the population is percentage-wise uh, a very high chunk over 65 I think it's due to hit somewhere around 19%, if not 20%, within 10 10 to 15 years. And, of course, that means the classic questions of how to afford the retirement uh, pension system, um, but also replacing the the revenue stream in terms of taxes, replacing the working population as it is. And so then come all the questions, how, how, how? Also, there's always been this discussion... I've read, I love those articles, I'm fascinated, about birth rates and and the difficulties with having children in this country, um, why relationships, how they're going, why they're not going well or are going well, or at least in terms of having children. I mean, it's, it's a very big issue. I'm sure you see things related and also hear uh, about it. Um, how do you see it playing out? It, well, this is a very big issue. It's it's an issue which has become, I think, less of a thing globally recently. Yes, it's one of those issues that, like like, like any any issue, could be could be fixed with just a few small changes, right? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you know, a very interesting thing was you talked about the over sixty fives, and. You know, in Japan now, there's a significant number of over 75s, right? So, so for example, in my in my local community, um, there are all these different community groups, and one of one of the community groups two years ago they had to stop giving free membership to the over 70s because such a high percentage of the members were over 70, they weren't getting enough money to to run the group. Right. Um, the whole senior discount thing is going to be re have to be yeah, adjusted. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, 
so you know if you think like what are obvious solutions well what every country is is pretty much every so-called country is raising retirement ages uh-huh. um, here it's Currently, 65. I think 60, yeah, 65. For, I guess 65 for men, 60 for women, which is oh. most kind of kind of common in most developed countries as a five-year difference. Um, doesn't really make sense when you no. think that life expectancy for women is, is, is higher. Um, but you know, just adding a few more years, so that big, you know, 65 here is still it's young. Mm-hmm. Well, you look at the health of the people. Mm-hmm. You know, Japan. Japan has a, an amazing reputation for for high life expectancy, but I think what is maybe less known outside of Japan is that these the people here are fit and healthy in old age. Yeah. You know, I I have many terrible memories of jogging around my local park and there's like old men running past me like seventy years old. Um, the people here are, are very, very fit and active in you know, really far into old age. Um, and you know, I think if you if you don't go the kind of the, the the route that we've gone in England, where we have lots of what we call old people's homes, maybe in, in American English you call care homes, things like that. Um, if you don't go that route, then I think it does encourage people to stay fit and active. So, so there's not necessarily the health kind of there's not necessarily the health burden. Japan also famously has a very very efficient health service. Mm-hmm. It's often t- said to be not just one of the best health services in the world, but the most efficient. Mm-hmm. Um, Japan, for example, spends much less on healthcare than the than the UK, and yet the standard of healthcare here is much higher. That's because in Japan, just like France, the costs of um, healthcare that um, private companies can charge hospitals, for example. So, like a hospital might have a medical cleaning company come in to do the cleaning. The the prices that they're allowed to charge are regulated by the Ministry of Health. Okay. So every two years, the Ministry of Health meet with a big board of doctors, and they price out everything. I mean, they price out individual pills. I mean, this is sometimes referred to as a sort of subsidized. The government's involved in terms of keeping costs from getting too high. I don't yeah. know if subsidize is a loaded term, but yeah, and and also it's um, you know it's a, it's a hybrid system here. So Japan doesn't have what's called universal healthcare, which means um, free for everyone. In Japan, we pay we pay into a national health insurance system. Um, it's sort of compulsory but not enforced. So there are there are gaps with kind of self-employed people might not sign up for one. They should, but they might not. Um, and that insurance policy allows um, 70% of the of the healthcare cost is paid for. The individuals meant to pay the remaining 30%. Um, I'm a freelance worker and I'm not working at the moment, and therefore um, my 30% is actually capped. There's a monthly cap. I think it works out as like 235 US dollars. So, you know, even though my 30% might be like $500 in a bad month, which is every month at the moment, um, I'd only pay $235. If you're, on, if you're living on welfare here, for example, it's 100% is paid. So, um, 
because the healthcare system so efficient, it's not breaking under the strain like the UK and some other countries where you have this double thing of the obesity crisis and an aging population with a lot more healthcare needs. Um, but an interesting issue is what are the things that are kind of not really healthcare, but the related things like in-home care for elderly people. So famously in the UK, um, at-home care for elderly people is not paid for by our health system, the NHS, but it is in Scotland. Because in Scotland they voted and said this is really important. We need you know nurses to go now. Um, you know many many of your listeners have have watched the documentary Sicko by Michael Moore, in which he he goes visits France and in France, for example, when um, a woman gives birth, she has a certain number of visits at the ho at home afterwards, and this includes. Um, having someone who come and to cook some meals and do cleaning and this kind of and there's a famous scene where the woman's doing the ironing or something um well if you think of that in 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 the case of elderly people you know maybe it's it's, it's very important if if an elderly person's living alone um in the past almost all japanese people lived with their extended family that's becoming less and less true um it's always been i guess not such a thing in tokyo because most people in tokyo are from outside tokyo but now, everywhere, people are, are living away without the extended family. So there's A, the child care issue, which is maybe one reason, one of the many reasons why the birth rate is, is, is low and is, is declining. And, and the, the, the opposite of the care of the elderly issue. Um, so, you know, before you had the grandparents were looking after the children and the, the adult children were you know looking after their parents right. in the same household right and without that you have the big child care issues here um child care here is quite expensive nothing like london prices but still <laughs> relatively expensive um and you have the issue of, of who's going to care for the elderly um there is like many countries there's a looming pension crisis um again japan has a I think Japan has a hybrid pension system here, like the UK, so maybe a state pension and a private company pension. Um, I, I don't pay into any pension system, and as a non-Japanese, although I have permanent residency here, I wouldn't be eligible for any state pension. Um, but there is the obvious question of who on earth is going to pay the pension bill, and there's just clearly no money for that at the moment. Right. Right. <laughs> it's just not going to happen. Yeah. There's no way <laughs> that the the people in their 20s now are going to magically get a pension in the future because yeah. that, that money doesn't exist. Um, yeah, I mean, um, one of the ideas is that they're somehow, either through... <sighs> A boost in in birth rates or or which is the route that Germany may have taken let's see how it goes but uh, that's certainly one of the arguments with the uh, raising let's call them quotas for mm. taking in be they refugees be they simply uh, immigrants let's say um, that Japan could do the same thing the only perhaps well one major difference is that Japan's relationship with immigration is perhaps not uh, not that simple. It's it's not a typically famous uh, destination, although there have been groups throughout history. So you know, taking in more strangers, 
Yeah, so in, in Japan, immigrants tend to come from Asia, mm -hmm. mainly China and South Korea. Um, getting, starting to get some maybe Thailand and yeah, those I've encountered quite a few uh, immigrants from India. And I know I shouldn't be surprised or, but I often am sort of taken aback when I'm greeted in Japanese, fluent of course, I guess it sounds magical. Uh, and then I realize, oh, then they realize I don't know what they're saying <laughs> and they speak in perfect English. And of course, they they came from India. <laughs> yeah, and like everywhere, the IT industry is, 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 is fueled by Indian immigration. Um, but again, outside of Tokyo, immigration is still very, very low. I mean, even in Tokyo, it's very, very, very low, despite what it feels like. Um, but then, you know, what, what, is it, what does immigration mean? Like, what's, what's the, you know, in, in Japan now, we're getting a lot of people coming to study here. Mm. And they're also working part-time when they study. And in a sense, they're, you know, making quite a contribution to the economy. We wouldn't usually call that immigration, but if, if they're here for a standard uh, undergraduate degree, here's four years, um, you know, maybe that's quite a significant thing. When, when I first came to Japan, immigrants were associated with these jobs called the Sankei jobs. Sankei, San is the number three. Sankei, it, I forget the three Japanese words, but basically dirty, underpaid, and hard work or something. Although by Japanese standards, that means something like working in a convenience store. It doesn't mean working in a coal mine. So these were jobs that, when I first came here, the young people here didn't really want to do. Um, and yeah, I guess that that's changing now. A lot of young people here are working in this particular service industry now. Oh wow! Um, you know, you see. I always assume that you just never go back. Like, if a society's youth are like, I don't do that job anymore, they'll never. But okay. Yeah, but you know, J Japan. Yeah, Japan has gone forwards and backwards many, many times. Um, mm -hmm. You know, it's incredible if you think in, in the 1950s when the office was first arriving in Japan in a big way. And you see, you can find on YouTube, you know, footage of, um, you know, girls in their in their late teens on on the train to to move to Tokyo to, you know, to work in these office office jobs and whatever that is. Yeah, uh, this new. <laughs> yeah, you know, it was it was this thing like, uh, you know, it's very interesting when you talk to Japanese people out work. It's very, very hard to find out what a Japanese person's job is. <laughs> very, very, very difficult because you ask them and the answer is always the company they work for. Uh -huh. They never say what the job is and you have to actually qu push quite hard to find <laughs> out what they what do you actually do. Like when you go to work, what do you physically do? And also some of the, sometimes they use an English term for the job that doesn't match the English definition. So I, I know some people here who work in the media, so you might find someone who claims to be a TV producer. Uh -huh. And when you hear about their job, it's not what normal people would consider it's a TV producer. Okay. You know, it's, okay. um, it's like a general dog's body that involves quite odd bits of work that sh you know, have no, <laughs> no connection between being, being a, a producer. Please present yourself. What is your name? Edward. Your full name, please. Edward Dons. 
Oh, hello, Edward Dons. Hmm. Now, uh, tell me more. How old are you? I'm eight. And when is your birthday? The 23rd of February. The 23rd of February. Uh, so, mm-hmm, I see. We're still a few months away. All right. And where do you live? In Majida. Where is that? Because there's some people that could be hearing this. They could be in England. They could be in South America. Japan. Japan. Okay. So we're in Machida in Japan. Got Edward. We got a birthday, which is in February. Um, Edward is in Japan. And what is your Jukushino. name? Jessica. Jessica. And how old are you? No. You can hold up. Oh. I fall, but I secretly free. I secretly. You have a secret age? Favorite song to sing. What's your favorite song? Think about it. Just that. Yeah, that's a good one. All right. A little, little more complicated. Go back to Edward for a second. What's your favorite subject? Mm, chemistry. Yeah? Yeah. What makes chemistry your favorite subject? What is it about chemistry? Because you understand what things are made of and wh why they work. Mm. A dream or a hope of yours? Well, my dream is to make a medicine that can cure any type of a cancer. In Japan, every single person has lunch at 12 o'clock, and I guess we're getting quite close to 12 o'clock now. Oh, that'll be interesting. We'll get so to hear it. we might it. see like a wave of people. It's just five past 12, so oh. we should be seeing like waves of people. In fact, we are, we are just as we speak. We're coming out. <laughs> people are coming, and look, the, check it out. Okay, the, the, way, the wave is coming. Yeah. Um, By the way, the first thing I noticed is that they're not wearing suits, which is so far impressive to me. Well, but it's a it's a tech company, so it's it's kind of unusual, I guess. I'm getting I'm getting khakis and sweaters, which is very tech. Uh, shirts untucked. That also is surprising. But yes, tech company, so that changes things. Yeah. Now we've got a few people in 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 suits, although without their jackets. But yeah. Anyway, so we've been talking Back a bit... to the world of work, yes. Yeah, we've been talking about the world of work, the world of uh, Japan, really, and uh, the present and the future. And um, one thing is this, the great importance of the office job. Um, it's, it's part of your life. A lot of people know that term, the, the sexist term, the salary man. Uh, I'm calling it sexist. Yeah, although it's, it's the ma massive, massively accurate term. Um, the, 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 the female equivalent is, is OL, the office lady. So yeah. salary man, office lady. Mm -hmm. And salary man is just someone who gets a regular salary, but it basically means someone working in an office. Yeah. And once you've got that, that opens all doors, right? In terms of having money, in terms of yeah. building your life. And, you know, employment is very high in Japan. Mm -hmm. Um, until really quite recently, people expected a job. Well, let's say men expected a job for life. Um, the salary for men here um, is set to support a family. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, still, the majority of women here don't don't work. They're they're housewives. Um, that's yeah, a, a very very normal thing here. Um, 
and that's starting to change. Yeah. That's starting to change because, um, well, lo lo lots of reasons, but um, the 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 main thing is is the job for life idea is sort of disappearing. Right. I'm very um, curious. Although much slower than other countries. Other yeah, yeah. Yeah, because I mean, I'm coming from the Netherlands where it feels like, and it's just a feeling, I haven't looked it up, but the average Monday, Tuesday, you're in the supermarket in the middle of the day and you're surrounded by people. They're all freelancers. This is the time where they're okay. going to go to the supermarket. Yeah. They're not going to go yeah. at five. You once told me that you proudly, of course, live the, you had a better name for it, but you don't live according to the, the nine to five schedule. So you never have to deal with the... Yeah, sometimes it's called temporal arbitrage. There it so is. So like, arbitrage is, is taking advantage of a, of a difference in two things. Like a lot of people, in, especially in the gig economy, are trying to do geographic arbitrage. So you earn your money somewhere like New York for part of the year mm -hmm. and like allow you know working for maybe four months in New York allows you to live the eight months in Thailand mm -hmm. so you take advantage of the difference in, in the value of money right the buying power of the dollar yeah. temporal arbitrage is well in in my case it's trying to live in the kind of the off-peak times yeah. um, but also you know also temporal it. arbitrage includes things like in, in the gig economy it includes being able to work at times when um, other people aren't working, but that's very valuable for an employer. So if you're doing IT support work and you're the kind of person who likes to sleep in the day and work at night, you can you can be getting you know good money doing remote network support from your apartment at night time. Mm -hmm. um, and of course now companies are outsourcing work to countries in a different time zone. Mm -hmm. So they can they they can have a, a, a you know a continuous work day because maybe their Japanese employees are here from let's say eight till ten is a yeah. normal working day here. Wow! But when they go home, then there's all the outs outsourced work being done by you know by the the, the Filipinos or whatever. Um, I did not realize it was eight to ten. Well, um, yeah. Yeah. you know, you ju just look at what what time you know rush hour here is from sort of six till half ten or six till eleven at night basically um you know um i shouldn't say this but my, my my sister works in the financial industry and in the financial industry in the uk and the us people are often talking about their 70 hour weeks or whatever and a typical office worker in tokyo is doing a 70 hour week and people considers it normal <laughs> yeah working hard is a night is is the, is the 90 hour week i mean it's you know it's a different world, really, compared compared to the soft yeah. Europeans. But I'm, I'm very curious, and I'm sure they're they're out there, and they're I suppose going to grow in percentage about the uh, you call it the gig economy, the freelancers in Japan, and that that potential um, clash between a society that has now been geared towards the office worker, the the job for life, and this I guess new global trend way of work which is more precarious so I, th I think what will happen in japan is that there won't be so much of a clash there'll be a hybrid system mm -hmm. so it's very interesting in japan um the impression here is that everyone works for big companies the reality is that legally the vast majority of people here work for very small companies but those companies work for the big companies mm -hmm. so a big car manufacturer for example um, 
it will have a lot of direct employees, but it will there will also be hundreds of small companies. I'm talking five to maybe thirty people. Yeah. Who that that company basically it, it's it's one customer is the big car company. Mm-hmm. Interestingly, back to the aging population, there will also be a large number of freelance employees who are over retirement age so these are people who worked for the company retired and continue to be employed as as consultants it's a very very big thing here so you know in a way the japanese solved the kind of potential clash um of gig economy versus stable employment years and years ago because it's been going on for quite a few years here um and yeah, Japan always, you know, Japan is very, very, very good at taking things from outside of Japan and modifying them somehow. Mm-hmm. Um, you sure, know. I just saw coffee coke in one of the uh, vending machines. Yeah, which is the, exactly what it's called, coffee I and coke. I forget the the phrase, but the Chinese used to talk about mar- Marxism with a Chinese flavor or something, mm-hmm. and. You know, Japan is very, very, very good at, at taking things and Japaneseifying them mm-hmm. and making them work pretty well. Um, you know, th- th- now th- this is going to sound very strange to, to a, a lot of listeners in Europe, but one of the reasons Japan is, you know, I, I hate to be positive because I'm such a negative. negative, bitter and cynical person. But a few years ago, I met a very, very intelligent British economist over here who was giving a talk on what... In fact, he was, he was actually giving a talk on why is the Japanese currency, the yen, seen as a safe harbor currency. Okay, so the, the Japanese yen is in very, very safe, stable currency. And this guy is saying, what, you know, why would that be? We, we've had... Um, you know the interest rate here is basically zero and has been for a very very long time um everyone talks about the zombie companies here the stagnant economy or or this kind of anti-japanese propaganda basically from the european and u.s media and this guy this guy he pointed out two things so first he pointed out just a, a very simple economic fact which is that in other countries like the uk the rate of inflation is massively massaged. So, uh, uh, you know, a typical trick is is they'll say, well, um, yes, the price of um, electrical goods has, has remained constant um, or is falling slightly, but actually they're much better quality than they were years ago. So we're going to put that as a massive decrease in price mm-hmm. or increase in value. And this allows them to pull down the rate of inflation, right? So when the, you know, in England, the government might claim inflation is, I have no idea, but they say they say it's two and a half percent. And people are saying, well, I go in the store and the food's gone up, you know, 25 percent in the past two years. That's not that's not a compound of 2.5 percent. So he was was saying that actually in Japan, very, very um, low inflation and very and very low interest rates. And actually, we've had deflation. Um, most of the time since I've been here, we've just started to get inflation. That adds up to a, a real but very small growth in the value of the yen year on year, 
Whereas other countries that are claiming to pay, let's say, one and a half percent interest, when you take into account the the reality of the inflation. Um, but the other thing he said, which is I think very very perceptive and and kind of hard to swallow, is that, is that Japan has recognised something that Europe and America and many other countries cannot understand. And this is going to sound terrible to say this, but Japan has recognised that at, at the moment, for a country to work, the most important thing is to make sure there is low unemployment, low unemployment for men between the ages of, let's say, mid thirties to early sixties. Now, I can, I can, I can hear our listeners shuddering. And saying this is this is sexist. This is a ridiculous thing to say, um, but um, the the facts are irrefutable. I mean, you, the 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 statistics, the you know, you just see the 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 problems in society you get with high employment, and that's why Japan. Ha when Westerners come here, they say, "Oh, look at all these stupid fake jobs. Why is?" Why is there a, a, a middle-aged man standing next to some roadworks directing well, the traffic? Yeah, I mean, it seems like, as for the man versus woman thing, I don't know. I mean, I guess that's obviously something that works in this society. Would it work the same everywhere? I don't know. Uh, the, the, I would say that... I don't think it's about something working or not. It's about the, prob the problems in other societies caused by... Yeah. And, and you know I'm, I'm not making any value judgment on this at all you know, I'm not saying it's, it's a good so it's a good solution um, but it's a reality yeah. and I think if people are honest with themselves they'll recognize it as a reality in their own country um, but, but the other thing the other piece to that that stuck out in my head was um, this what we call this free market capitalism whatever you want to call it the, the, the dominant form of capitalism let's call it dominant, the most commonly yeah. found, the global interlocking companies, uh, all one, basically one world economy. Um, that, that one of the values of that system seems to be, where can we cut? Where can we cut costs, right? Where can we reduce the amount that we spend? And everywhere you look, well, almost everywhere you look, you see companies making decisions and governments now in favor of okay, there's a person standing there that just waves around a shiny stick. They cost X amount. Well, if we wipe them out, we can just put a sign yeah. um, and that'll save us money, right? And, and this kind of logic... In, in the very, very short term, and that, that's exactly my point. And, and um, you know, again, I don't want to push it, but there is a gender issue here, you know, in, yeah. in, in all countries as well, that it's... Um, yeah, if, if, you, if you just look at the, the, dy the dynamics of countries where there is high male employment, it doesn't matter how so-called progressive the society is. In, in England, for example, we'd say, you know, replace the person with a sign or whatever, yeah. replace the government employee with an outsource employee. In Japan, what, and again, this, this is something they have, they have learnt, and it is, it's a fact and it's not, it's, it's silly to argue it, but they have, they have found that a fake job is better than all the the associated costs with higher wealth. High, well, no, 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 no. The opposite with with the unemployment. Ah, uh -huh, okay. They have found it is better to give someone a fake job 
than to have that person out of work because the cost of having someone out of work is higher over a longer term. Now you could say it's, it's definitely, maybe it's, mm. it's, you know. But that cost is often a societal cost, whereas the company might say, hey, that's not our problem. I mean, I'm speaking now as more of what I feel like I see, take North America, take Europe, you know. Yeah, but fame, I mean, you know, J Japan, Japan, is, Japan is the country where companies have a hundred year business plan. Okay. Right? They, they, you know, so they, they feel like they're, they're, they have to worry about more than just the, um, the bottom line this year or... Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Massively. I mean, you, you know, and you you can if you if you dig into it, you can see about um, shareholders. You know, the lack of hostile takeovers here. This kind of, you know, you'll find big Japanese companies where um, yeah, that is essentially owned by a few big old families, and their business plan is multi generations. Yeah. Um, but also, there's and you know, there is a strong legal framework in place. So, for example, the building, the building we're in, to get permission to build this building, they had to provide a certain number of, you know, let's be nasty and say fake jobs, hmm. right? They, they had, have a much nicer they name had for to. it. That's, <laughs> I, I, I don't know if there is a Japanese term for it, but they have to, and that's during the construction process and afterwards. Mm -hmm. So, during the construction process, that's why we see the the middle-aged men and now middle-aged women as well standing outside you know directing people around a barrier or something insane like this um that's why you know so so like in Eng in england we we always have we have a similar thing but it's always half-hearted so i remember a new shopping mall being built in my hometown and part of the agreement was they would provide a hundred new jobs for people um, currently living on wealth, uh, on wealth, kind of un unemployment benefit, living on unemployment benefit. Um, this did not happen. They somehow found some loopholes around, you know, because in England, in the, the, name of the, law, the law has more holes than substance. So they somehow found a reason why, you know, or a bunch of reasons why they didn't have to, you know, do this, keep this promise. Um, but in Japan, there's just a strong, there, there is a deep knowledge among government and among companies that the cost of an unemployed person is higher than the, the, the wages for a fake job. Yeah. I guess I always assumed that I'm, I'm kind of excited at the idea that it, it's not a done deal, it's not a, a guarantee, it's not, I always assumed that the, the inevitable relationship, almost like gravity, was it may take some time but everywhere businesses will fall on the idea of who can we cut? How can we cut? Where can we cut? And, and it's interesting to see that, I mean, I know there are always examples of countries that resist, companies that resist, but here perhaps even an entire society that says, mm, that's not how we do things. Yeah. And, you know, we have to remember Japan is very, very significant in the world. We might, you know, it's J Japan is, 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 a, is a very, very powerful but invisible force in the world. You know, we're what is it? depending on how you measure third largest economy on earth right and this is a country with i don't know population is 160 million or something here right there's just a you know a bunch of people crowded on a tiny island um japan is a massive investor abroad it's very difficult to remember when you're in europe when you're in the u.s when you're in england particularly it's very difficult to understand and accept that you're not the whole world and 
you know, even though the numbers are obvious, right? The, the Chinese, what the Chinese are like a billion people, yeah. right? Yeah. That's very significant, right? What China does, how it behaves, how it thinks, as a country, as a group of individuals, very, very significant. It's a bit like, you know, when you're in England and you are listening to music and you're listening to very popular music and you think, oh, this is very popular music. And then you find out that like in Europe, there's some guy you've never heard of who sold 500 times. Engelberg you know. Humberdink. I, I mean, never like, understood. You know, well, a lot of it is, a lot of it will be a language issue. The, the, the European pop stars. David who, Hasselhoff. Who, never understood that one. You know, well, but European pop stars who record the same song in five, five European languages. Oh, right, right, right. right? Um, or you'll find out like, you know, I think one of the biggest non-fiction author, uh, the biggest fiction authors of all time in the world is some German sci-fi author and again it's because of the translations going Europe. so you know just in the way that america doesn't understand it's becoming less relevant compared to europe because you know the french economy is not particularly huge compared to the u.s the european economy very very significant mm -hmm. compared to the u.s but when you start to think about china japan india i mean these these dwarf mm -hmm. europe and the u.s combined mm -hmm. in terms of population in terms of spending power mm -hmm. and they may not think the same as Europeans and Americans. Right, right. And, you know, one of my pet hates is San Francisco. <laughs> I hate San it's Francisco. An essay by Matthew Dons. <laughs> <laughs> Although I, I very much love my, my, my dear friend Mitch in San Francisco. Absolutely. But in San, in San Francisco, <laughs> that, that, you know, there's very much a feeling that, like, they're, they're where it's at and the world is mm -hmm. inevitably going to get to that point. Oh, oh! Everybody wants to be who they are. Or, well, no, no, it's uh, just going to happen. Uh -huh. It's just going to happen. Uh -huh. um, I sometimes worry that I live in the San Francisco of Europe. I, yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. And, and you know, and in, in, a, in a way, you know, tight, you know, that idiot Francis Fukuyama who said, <laughs> "We're, you know, this is the, the the end of the end of history," right? And you know, the 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 neo the American neocons right documented in uh, Power of Nightmares mm -hmm. right by Adam Curtis. I knew we'd get there. You know <laughs> about sort of the, you know basically whatever happens in the world eventually you know liberal neoliberal neo kind of free market economics you know that's you know mild Christianity. That's where because you know, it's all it is already it's already tied. Not wants to be is it's it's not that it's it's that it's an inevitability disconnected from desire, right? Uh -huh. It's not about what just this is the way human. This humans. is this is the way humans. And right. when you're outside of Europe and the US, it clearly isn't the case. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's yeah, we're, we're brought up to think that whatever version of capitalism or never mind capitalism the version of econ economics that we see happening playing out uh in europe or wherever you grow up uh especially in the west that's that's human nature yeah you yeah know? and 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 in and in as inevitable as you know as anything else and you know sometimes people people here describe japan uh, westerners here describe japan as um the communist country that works mm -hmm. right 
but in a way you could also describe it as a capitalist country yeah. that works hybrid, yeah, yeah. and it is a very is a very interesting hybrid um and you know when you're here when you're in asia you just feel it's it's not inevitable the 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 um the narrative provided in the us and and the the just the variation on it provided by you know the in in europe there's there's a, a very deep belief in bureaucracy right something that maybe we should be a little bit skeptical about in europe because you know it wasn't so long ago bureaucracies were sending jews to the gas sure. chambers right sure. in japan amongst japanese people there's always this big idea of copying and learning from other countries but always here i'm thinking like what should other countries be learning from yeah. japan yeah. um you know what are all the things that you know that people do get right here and you know again i i, I hate being positive <laughs> but the standard of living for for a really large percentage of the population here is very very high mm -hmm. you know for the past 15 years there's been a very very strong narrative in western media that the japanese economy is stagnant uh -huh. and that i think that really um goes deep into the the falsehoods that we're taught that we are taught about economics and and this misunderstanding that you know the mo movement of money for its own sake is somehow a wonderful thing <laughs> um and and the erroneous belief that we can believe any economic figures told to us by governments mm -hmm. which you know being british we clearly can't mm -hmm. um sure. you know in in england the yeah the economy is is a lie right. absolutely or, yeah or you know the, the, the facts can be used in all kinds of ways exactly and you see and the, it every the, election the mismatch between what we're told in the media and the reality of people's daily life i mean it's just it's insane you know all throughout japanese history there's been this thing of new ideas come and you take the bit you want and don't take the bits you don't want mm -hmm. um and a bit like in so in south korea the standard of english is much 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 higher than in japan and it's because they embrace christianity to such an extent and they were all being taught english by the american missionaries and you know now yeah standard of english is very very high whereas in, in japan it's embarrassingly low mm, um and yeah all, always in japan so you know the attitude to religion religion here is very very fluid japan is a you know on the surface a secular society but people here are very superstitious um the we're always told the two main religions here are buddhism and shinto the reality is that that's just one that's mm, those are just two aspects of a general religious belief here it's not that there are people here who are buddhist and hit people who are shinto it's that there are people here who will do buddhist ceremonies for you know a whole bunch of religious public holidays and deaths and births and this kind of thing and yet you know they'll be going to the shinto shrine to pray to pass their driving test or school high school entrance exams or get the promotion at work or whatever it's a very 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 fluid yeah. attitude here yeah. and it, it just ties into this thing of you know obviously buddhism came here from china shinto was the the native paganistic religion shinto's polytheistic so 
Um, and it, Shinto is also is is sort of anim, animistic, whatever it's called. Oh, animistic. Animistic. Yeah. So the idea that you know there's like a god of needles that's in the needles or whatever, because okay. you know needles were a very valuable thing and uh -huh. um, yeah or whatever you know um, just like the animists you know in, would believe that if a, they tripped on a tree root it was that the tree root was alive and had moved to that place or whatever um, but yeah there's always this idea of you just take take the thing take the aspects you want it's not seen as any kind of contradiction it's not seen as as crass I guess even yeah. with cultural stuff yeah. when when I when I was at university in England, I had a lot of Japanese friends and mainly many female because at the time there was this thing that the the male university students wanted to go to the US for the sports. The female came came to the UK. But I don't know what they wanted. The education. <laughs> the, the education maybe. And I I was always I would always say to them, oh, what's the best thing about being at university here? Thinking you know or being exposed to hardcore feminism. Or environmental movements, or you know, being able to drink on campus because in England you can drink at the age of eighteen, um, or being able to take drugs or whatever. You know, you can try cannabis or that, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And they all, all of them said, "I can wear the same clothes for several days." Whereas at university in Japan, I feel I have to change my outfit every day. Um, you know, they love being able to wear jeans. Yeah. And, you know the 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 feeling that they could wear jeans, and I, I found that quite upsetting and distressing. I was like, "Come on, that's the thing." Out <laughs> that of was the thing, you know. That yeah. you think that they they have sacrificed a lot to be here. Their parents have made big financial sacrifice to be here, and the big thing for them is, is yeah, to to uh, kind of feel they could wear wear what they want. Mm -hmm. Um, mm. and you know, again, I don't want to push the gender thing here, but. When you when you talk to to women about their appearance here, they are very very much dressing for other females, mm -hmm. very very much. So so when people, for example, talk about the high what we'd say highly sexualized clothing of young females here, when you talk to them, their pro, their prime interest is is looking good for themselves and their friends, mm -hmm. right? It's not yep. a thing of want to impress the boy attract the, yeah, the boys yeah. it's like you know the the pre prebubescent girl here wearing the suspenders and <laughs> low cut top it's mm -hmm. like this is this is what's called kawaii which is cute, cute. Yeah, I hear that all the time. cuteness yeah. is a big thing here yeah so the two big big dominant things are kide which kind of translates as it's often translated as beautiful but what, what yeah. really means is clean okay and kind of almost what I would call stark uh -huh. so they want things to be kid A so you know putting concrete on a mountainside is kid A <laughs> because you know they, they say well it stops landslides and it's kid A uh -huh. and then the other thing is kawaii the cuteness right, so what I you know what I would say very you know these incredibly sexualized clothes it's like it's kawaii it's cute uh -huh. And it's they're wearing it for them for themselves and their and their their female peer group. Yeah, it's, yeah. you know, Tukane is is something that's doesn't sit well with our ideas in the West about mm -hmm. you know how stuff works. Right, right. Yeah. But interesting topics. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, Matthew, let's go. Uh, I'm. The list could be long, but I'll quickly mention the 
the 100 yen hundred yen store. <laughs> so that's going to be Maybe Yoyogi Park, Yoyogi which is Park. The, I think one of the biggest parks in central Tokyo. Used to be an American air base, I guess, after World War II. Mm. Um, and I'm going to... And maybe Harajuku, some... right? Where, you know, so near, near Yogi Park, there's Harajuku, there's a famous street called Take, Takeshita Dori, or the, or the, the fashion, Harajuku fashion comes from. Hmm. Yeah, let's head over there. Sounds good. Cool. Good to talk to you. Ah, the dulcet tones of the Haichiko bus, the little mini bus decorated like a dog that rides around Shibuya, gets you from and to the places where the metro doesn't go. Shibuya, the place where we recorded this interview, that was Matthew Don's. I really strongly, I urge you to go to matthewdons.org and donate because Matthew is is in a fight for his life. I know people often use these terms, fight for your life, but no, no, this is actually a fight for one's life to get treatment that is uh, expensive and could give him more time with those two beautiful little people that you heard briefly in this recording, with people that you didn't hear in this recording that mean a lot to him and for whom he means a lot. You can make a difference, so please do. Link in the show notes, matthewdons.org. Uh, I've got more interviews with Matthew that I will release over the next few weeks. Uh, but meantime, citizenreporter.org, that's the classic, that's the channel. Uh, Going to pump some new life into it over the next year, 2018. My plan is CTRP back in force and pushing a lot of the programs that I'm now working on back here, back home to where it all began and where it all still continues. So thanks for listening. Um... I leave you with the sound of rain and whatever else goes on in Japan as I was wandering around. Uh, You never know what you're going to hear. This one is probably rain. And I'll talk to you real soon. Thanks for listening. See ya.